is starting here on the top of Chav Kedem Rav, seven lines down. We're in the middle of the story of the posing of Rabbi Gamliel as the Nasi, and the replacing of him by Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. And the Gemara ended off with the story about Rabbi Lezer ben Azariah. He was 18 years old at the time that he took the office of the Nasi. The miracle happened that he got 18 streaks of white hair, because his wife felt that would be appropriate for him to be classified as a Zakain, person of stature, to be Doresh Birabim. Now the Gemara continues, Tana Otoyom, so called the Shomer Petach. That day they removed the guard from the doors of the Beit Midrash. Now the Hem Rishut, the Talmudim Likanes. They gave permission to all that wanted to learn to come into the Beit Midrash. Ayaregum Leomachriz Bomer, Kotamid, Jinto Chokibaro, Lo Yikanes the Beit Midrash. Any Talmud who's inside is not like his outside, Lo Yikanes the Beit Midrash, he should not enter into the Beit Midrash. Meaning that he has to be a person who is through and through solid. Midot, learning, straightforward person, person who their outside countenance reflects exactly what they are feeling on the inside. That's a rare occurrence, so they didn't have so many Talmidim in the Bay Midrash. He says, On that day, they had to add in a bunch of benches into the Bay Midrash. There's an argument of how many benches they added. One said they added 400 benches on that day. The other one says they added in 700 benches on that day. The famous word here is they had new students that came in. But what it talked about was that they had to add in 400 benches or 700 benches. Because those that came beforehand, Tocham Baram, they weren't worried about the benches. Right? But those types of people, they came to learn, they were worried about the learning. But when he started adding in the people who were not so straightforward and not simply there for the learning, then they had to focus on how many benches they added in, not the number of Talmidim that were added. Then the conditions became more important to the uh, situation. But you see, the number of people that came in on that day was significant. So have a gachal shodatid Rabbi Gamliel. Gamliel was dismayed by this fact. Amar Dilma, chas manati Torah Yisrael. Maybe I withheld Torah from Yisrael, meaning that maybe I did the wrong thing by closing the doors to these people. Look how many more people came into the Beit Midrash on that day. Aksulei In his dream, he sees white pitchers, the Mayan Kitma that are full of Ashes, black ashes. The idea being that Rabbi Gamliel believed that the Tamidu came in had to be Tocholki Baro. So here you have a, a white pitcher with black ashes on the inside, showing that Tocham is not Kibaram, indicating that Rabbi Gamliel wasn't wrong about this, that those that came in were not to be Uyim to be in the Beit Midrash, Velohi. And you don't take it seriously? The dream came to him in order to appease or to make Rabbi Gamil feel better. But that doesn't mean what he had done was right. Tana. Idiot yom nishnet. Masechet Idiot was learnt on that day. And I mentioned that earlier in yesterday's daf. When it says about Rabbi Yehuda ben Baba, that we would see the story here. This is the story of Masechet Idiot. Anywhere in Shas where it says Boba Yom on that day, how Yom have it means that day. The day when Rabbi Gamil was deposed, Rabbi Lazar Azariah took over, and they removed the guards in the Beit Midrash, and the place was flooded with Talmidim. There was no halacha that was left unresolved in the Beit Midrash, that they were not able to clarify it. So Rashi says, Because of the number of attendees, the sharpness, the insights, the ability to come to a halachic decision was enhanced because of the number of people that were there. Because of that, a is known as Bibakirta. 
the chosen, the special, the unique Masechta, because of its status of having all the Tamidim there on that day. And therefore, anything that's written in there, we generally say, Alocha ke Masechet Ediot. Even Rabbi Gamliel was in the Beit Midrash on that day. Tetnan, we have the Mishnah in Ediot. And that day, Yehuda, a convert that was from Ammon, was in the Beit Midrash. What's my status in terms of joining in Klal Yisrael? This week's Parsha, Parsha Kitetze. And Omoni and Moavi are not accepted as converts to the Kalashem. Gamliel says it's simple. The Pasuk in this week's parsha can't join the Kal, you can't convert. You can join the Kal, you can join Kal Yisrael. Doesn't it say, Explicit Pasuk, how could you say that? Do you really know who Ammon and Moab is anymore? Are they residing in the land of Ammon and Moab anymore? There's series of Assyrian kings that basically attack the area of Aver Yardain, including Ammon, Moab, Edom. All those areas were conquered by the Assyrian kings. And at first, Ruben, Gad, Nechazi, Shevim, and later, the whole northern kingdom of Bnei Israel was conquered by the Assyrian kings and exiled. They finally try to attack Yerushalayim. The attack of Sancheriv and Yerushalayim fails. But Melech Hashur, when he conquered these areas, what they did was a common practice in their day, but here it's mentioned explicitly in the Navi. They used to move the people. Once you had conquered an area, in order to prevent rebellions in the future, plus show who was in charge, they used to move the people who resided in this location to another location. He mixed up the different nations. And that's one of the offers that he makes when he comes to Yerushalayim, lays siege to Yerushalayim, says that I have wonderful places to take you to. If you just surrender and you give in, I'll exile you into these beautiful locations. I remove the boundaries of nations. It's spelled wrong here. The Shah says it. She says here, but it's Shosati. And also here, this is spelled differently. In the Navi, it's a, it's a shin and a sin. Shosasti, Borid, Ka'abir, Yoshvim. So I remove the boundaries of nations, and I robbed them of all their goods and their possessions, and I took down their great ones or their places of residence. We know that he moved everybody around. So once he's moved everybody around, if I look at the population of the world, Amon and Moab are a minority of the population of the world. So any one individual that comes out of that population, say is from the rove, from the majority. The majority are mutarim la bobakal. That's what the Gemara says here. The chod parish miruba parish. The principle of rove, which is that when a grouping of individuals, a grouping of anything, we take one out of that group, we assume whichever one you took out came from the majority of what was there. So to appear, any individual that is part of the population of the world, amonamav are minority. And they're all mixed together now. If someone comes forth, we're going to assume they're not from Ammon and Moab. Eventually, I will return Ammon to its location. And so they're back in place. If they're back in place, then that is Ammon and Moab. doesn't also say that I also return B'nai Israel to their land. But they didn't come back. 
So how can you be so certain that Amon and Moab are back in place if Bnei Yisrael haven't come back in place? Who says that that Nevoah was already in Tkayim? Miyad, Hitiru, Elovobikal. Right away, they allowed him to join the Kahal, meaning they passed him like Rabbi Yoshua. Amar Since this happened, let me go and appease, apologize to Rabbi Yoshua. Interesting, what does it mean, Hochiava? Because this happened. So you can read it one of two ways. Hochiava means that the people accepted Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah as the Nasi, and they were okay with Rabbi Yomriel being deposed. The will of the people was carried out, and so Rabbi Yomriel sees that the people are serious about this, and that's what they believe. The way Rashi reads it, is is that the halacha went like Rabbi Yoshua. That in a machloka between Rabbi Yoshua and Rabbi Yoshua, the people sided with Rabbi Yoshua. So he saw that the people had favored Rabbi Yoshua, the position of Rabbi Yoshua, and that maybe he was wrong in attacking him so fiercely. When he reached the house of Rabbi Yoshua, Chazinu the Ashita the Beite the Meshachron. So that the walls of his house were black. So from the walls of your house, it's clear to me that you are a pachmi, somebody who works with coals. It could either be that he would work with coals or he was a blacksmith, one of the two. But because of that, the walls of his house were black from that work with the coals. Woe is the generation that you are its leader. That's what Rabbi Shua says to Rabbi Yomliel. Woe is the generation that you are its leader. Because you don't know the true conditions and difficulties of the Tamirichachamim. This is the first time that he's come upon Rabbi Yeshua and realizing that he was made parnes from a lowly profession and that his life was very difficult. That you don't know. How they make a living and how they sustain themselves. Rabbi Gamliel, remember, is an Asi. And so he's supported either by the taxation on the people or by the government, who is possibly a paid official of the government. Therefore, he didn't have to worry about this. But this person like Rabbi Yeshua had to struggle to make ends meet. But he's saying you don't know. Right. There are two possibilities of what it meant. He was. Right. There are two ways to read it. You could either read it that he was wrong, and he didn't realize that the walls were black because of poverty, and not because he was a blacksmith or a worker with coal. Or, the way I explained it, which was that he was a blacksmith and he was working with it, but this is the first time that Rabbi Gamil knew how Rabbi Yeshua made a living. And then until now, he didn't realize how difficult Rabbi Yeshua's life was, how difficult it was for him to make a parnasa. He says, I insulted you. It was a little too much. I went overboard in terms of my approach to you, making you stand up. Please forgive me. He did not listen. He was not willing to grant him forgiveness. Do it from the honor of my father. He accepted it, and he was mochel him. Who will go and tell the Rabbonon that they've now made up and things have been settled between Rabbi Galil and Rabbi Yeshua? This wanderer said that, I'll go ahead, I'll go tell them what's transpired. So he sends a message with the Koveis. So the one who wears Madah's clothing, the Madim, our uniform today, the one who is adorned in the clothing of royalty of rulership, he should wear it. The one who is not clothed in royalty, the man, should he be saying to the one who normally wears the cloak of 
leadership. Shalech Malach, send me your cloak or send me your uniform, but I'll be sharing and I'll wear it. Meaning, Rabbi Gamliel is part of the Shoshelet of the Nisim from David Amelech, his father, his grandfather, they were all Nisim. And so he is from a family of Nisim, a family of royalty. So he is the Mada, the one who has the uniform, and the one who normally wears that. So he's the proper one to fit into the cloak and to wear the mantle of leadership. He's new to the job. He doesn't have that yichus necessarily. He doesn't necessarily have a history of being a Nasi. Should he be saying to Rabbi Gamliel, send me over your cloak, send me over the mantle of leadership? That doesn't sound right. So that was the message that Rabbi Yeshua sent to the Beit Midrash with this koves. Amar, the Hu Rabbi Giva, the Rabbanon. Rabbi Giva said to the Rabbanon, Troko Gale, Lock the gates, close the doors, so that the servants of Rabbi Yomliel, remember he was the Nasi, so he had an entourage of people that helped him out. And we know from other stories that sometimes the servants of the Nasi's house were very powerful, even of, a, of themselves, and they used to take advantage of the people sometimes. So over here they're afraid that Rabbi Yomliel's servants are going to come, cause problems and make difficulties to the Rabbanan force them to take Rabbi Gamaliel back. So we give it says lock the doors so they can't come in. So I'm Rabbi Yeshua, Mutov the Ikum Vezel, Ano the Gabayosum. Alright, I better go and say something because nobody else is going to get in. They didn't trust the Kovez, they're not going to listen to anybody else. So Ato Tarafa Babi comes and knocks on the door, Amalei, and he said to them, Mazeh ben Mazeh, Yazeh, Vishain alo Mazeh, Velo ben Mazeh, Yomarla Mazeh, Ben Mazeh, Memecha, Memearab, Efarcha, Efer Makleh. So again, a similar type of mashal, which is mazeh ben mazeh, one who sprinkles. When it comes to the paraduma, who sprinkles the waters of the paraduma is a kohen. So mazeh ben mazeh, a kohen ben kohen. Someone who is in a shoshelet of yuchus. So since he is the mazeh ben mazeh, yazeh, he should be the one who does the sprinkling. B'shein lo mazeh, the one who is not a sprinkler. V'lo ben mazeh, not a son of a sprinkler, referring to Rebbe ben Azariah. Yomar lo mazeh ben mazeh, he should say to the one who is the sprinkler, the son of a sprinkler, Meimecha, your waters of Meimara are not really Maim Chaim, waters from a live spring, but rather from still waters, cave waters. Ve'eferecha, and your ashes are not the ashes of Paraduma, but Efer Makleh, burnt up stick or wood. So it's not appropriate for Belazah ben Azariah to be taking the mantle of leadership away from Rabbi Gamliel. I just think Rabbi Ezra ben Azariah is just a, he's a Tamar Chacham. He's seriously Ezra, but he wasn't someone who was in the fabric of royalty or leadership. And all of a sudden they put him into leadership, so he should be the one taking away the mantle. I think it's a mashal, an easy, nice way for him to say basically that things should go back to the way they were. So Rabbi Giva, Rabbi Yeshua, Nitpayasta says, were you appeased? You forgave him? Everything's okay now? You made up? The only reason we depose Rabbi Gamliel is because of your kavod. So tomorrow morning, you and I, meaning Rabbi Shua and Rabbi Kiva, we're going to go back to Rabbi Gamliel. Before they do that, they need to, what are we going to do now? Navre, we're going to remove Rabbi Eloza ben Azariah. Miri, we know, you go up, you don't come back down. If you go up in holiness, not return, then Rabbi Eloza ben Azariah can't go back to being a regular Talmud in the yeshiva. He's now the Rosh Hashiva, he's the Nasi, so it can't be that he returns to his old status. Nidrash mar chadash mar chadash abdo. If we make them equals, peers, each one of them gets one Shabbat, ata There'll be a certain amount of jealousy between them because of the equality. If they're considered peers, 
there's no clear deference to one of them as being the leader. If you have them being of equal standing, what ends up happening is they become two batimidrash, they're two nisim. So you have to make it clear that one of them is the leader. So Ella Lidrosha Bhamliel, the way we have in the Gears of Argumar is Tlata Shabte, Rablazar Nazari Khadu Shabto. Rablazar Nazari will darshan once a month out of the four weeks, and Rabbi Gamliel will do three out of them. On the side you can see that the Girsa that's probably more proper is two times for Rabbi Gamliel, one time for Rablazar Azariel. So it's clear that Rabbi Gamliel is the real Nasi, and Rabbi Nazariel will be subject to the rulings of Rabbi Gamliel. But the reason that we don't depose him is because he was now in the sea. We're not going to get rid of him being in the sea. So they granted him one out of every three weeks in order to give the Jerusha. That's the Gemara in Chagiga says, there's a story about whose Shabbat was it on that week? It was Shabbat because it wasn't clear whose Shabbat was. I mean, that sometimes it was Rabbi sometimes it was Rabbi Gamliel. The Gemara just concludes that Talmud who was the one who precipitated the whole problem and asked the question of Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He was the one who posed the question to Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua about whether Tefillat Arvid is Rishut. And he was the one who brought the answer of Rabbi Yeshua before Rabbi Gamliel. It's not clear that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai acted in the best way here. First of all, it obviously caused a huge rift between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua and all the difficulty. And number two, as we discussed yesterday, in terms of shopping up sack, if you get sack from someone, you only have to go to the other person if you inform them of the sack. It seems from the Ramah that it's Kvaramar, that he told him. It seems they have to tell him beforehand. Although it's not perfectly clear, it could be they tell him afterwards. So he might not have also acted so properly not telling up front Rabbi Gamil, I already asked Rabbi Yeshua that it's a shoot before Rabbi Gamil gave it the sack, and that he should have informed that him that. I don't know if it would have helped. <laughs> that is the proper etiquette in these situations when you're asking to Tamidah Chachamim for an answer. Alright, Vesham Musafim Kolayom. Musaf is all day. Vesham Rabbi Yochanan, Vinikra Posheya. Someone who is Me'acher, the Musaf that he has to dominate late in the day, he's a Posheya. You have to do it, you should do it earlier in the day. Tarno Banan. Hayulu Fanav Shtei Tfilot, Achad Shil Menchavet, Achad Shil Musaf. He has an option in front of him of davening Musaf or Mincha. Balal Shem Mincha, he first davens Mincha, v'chachach mit Balal Shem Musaf, and then afterwards Musaf. Shizoti Dira, v'zoeinu to Dira. Mincha is more frequent, it's consistently there. Musaf is less frequent, less consistent, and therefore Mincha takes precedence. Yudah Omer, mit Balal Shem Musaf, v'chachach mit Balal Shem Mincha. Yudah says you daven Musaf first, and then afterwards you daven Mincha. Shizot Mitzvah Overt, v'zoe Mitzvah Shein Overt. Because Musaf, the time's going to run out. Remember, Rabbi Yehuda's position is that Musaf only goes until the seventh hour. Whereas Mincha goes the remainder of the day till Shkiah. Better to do Musaf, whose time is going to pass, elapse, and then he won't be able to daven Musaf anymore, than to daven Mincha first, which you have a lot more time to deal with. Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Alocha, Mitpalel Shem Mincha, Vachakach Mitpalel Shem Musaf. Daven Mincha first, and then you daven Musaf afterwards. I, I'm assuming that Rabbi Yochanan is saying, the Alocha... Because we passed in Shachrit like Rabbi Yehuda. And Mincha, we said you have an option between Rabbi Yehuda and the Chachamim. Here, Rabbi Yochanan is making it clear that we do not pass in like Rabbi Yehuda, we pass in like the Chachamim, and therefore you're going to dive in Mincha first, and then Musaf afterwards. Now, Tosafot points out, this is what we mentioned before when we discussed this in the Mishnah, that this is a huge issue on the Yamim no Ra'im, which is that many times Shachrit goes very late and Musaf goes late. And then you end up in a period of time where you're starting Musaf when it's already Zman Mincha. And Tosavot says, if that's the case, you have to daven Mincha first. 
can't have a Musa first, you have to have a Mincha first. And that's why in most places, I'm assuming Rabbi David does the same thing here, they make sure that they get to Musaf before Zmana Mincha. That they start Musaf before Zmana Mincha, so they don't run into this problem. On the other hand, the Ri in Tosafot says something interesting. He says, doesn't matter, you still dive in Musaf first, and then Mincha afterwards, because there's plenty of time left in the day. It's not a question that you're going to miss Mincha over here. And that brings a fundamental question as to what is Ktimut here. The Quran says, Tadir goes before Sheinu Tadir. When do we apply that? So it seems from the two Deot and Tosvot that there's a difference in opinion of how do we apply this. Is this an application of hierarchy? Which means, irrespective of whether there's enough time for both mitzvot or not, this tells you one mitzvah qualitatively is better than the other because it's Tadir. And if you're going to dab Mincha before Musaf, because of that, even though you have plenty of time left in the day to dive in both of them. The Ri, on the other hand, says, the question of Tadir only comes up when you're in competition, and you have to make a choice. So it's a, that's a question of Hachura. The Ri is saying, when I have to make a decision, then Tadir matters. But when I don't have to make a decision, I have the possibility of accomplishing both of them, then Tadir is no longer relevant. And I don't have to give that hierarchy of Mincha going before Musaf. But it's the fundamental question of what it means when we say something as more common, more frequent, what does that mean? Is that solely a way to decide when I have a competition between them? Or is that telling me information that I have a hierarchy, which means I will always choose the one that is Tadir over Shainu Tadir, even when I have time to do both of them. When he got weak, he was sick, and he could no longer chazer over his learning, he's go sit at the doorway to the Beit Midrash, at least when the Rabbanan passed by, I'll stand up to give them kavod, and I'll get scar for that, because I, I don't have the ability to learn right now. So guess who comes out? The Rosh Hashiva himself, Rabbanan Bartuvi comes out. It says, what was said over in the Beit Midrash today? He says, that was said over the name of Rabbi Yochanan. He says, yes it is. He learned it over from him 40 times. He reviewed it with him 40 times. Is this a unique memra? You don't have any other memra from Rabbi Yochanan. That's why you're so excited. And that's why you reviewed it 40 times. Or chadadi ilach, is it new to you? Is that new halacha that you haven't heard before? Amalei chadadi li, it's new to me. Mishum desveikali b'Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Because I thought that the author of this position was Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, who said that the halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, but rather like the Chachamim. I thought the author of that position was Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, now you corrected me, and that it's Rabbi Yochanan who is the author of that position. I'm Rabbi Yishu ben Levi. Call mit balel tefillah shal musafim, nachar sheva shaot, Rabbi Yehuda, aglava katuv omer. Anybody who davens musaf after the seventh hour, according to Rabbi Yehuda, which is the end of the zman musaf, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the pasuk says about him, nogemi mimoed, asafti mimichayu. So the, those, that, we'll see what the word nogem means, mimoed. Moed meaning a holiday over here. Asafti mimichayu. Took them away, I grabbed them away from you. My mashmo. The high nogem lishna de tavrahu. How do you know that that noge means an illusion of smashing, crushing? Yosef, as we know, was sick in the middle of his life. He lost his sight. And therefore, he became a bucky in Targum because he wasn't allowed to learn Torah Shabbat because he couldn't see it. Therefore, he knows the Targum. So, the Targum Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says the Targum is 
Tavra ati asaneon de Beit Yisrael. A crushing blow should come on the enemies of Klal Yisrael. That's a lashon saginor, a euphemism for Bnei Yisrael themselves. Al da'achruz mane modaya biyushalayim. Because they delayed the times for davening in Yerushalayim. Tosu points. I can't be talking about the Moed itself because there's no ichur for Moed because there's no tashlumim. There's nothing to make up over here. So it must be talking about etfilo where you can push it off when you push it back on the day. And that's how he knows that the word Moed here means tefillah or the prayers of the holidays. Anybody daven shachrit after four hours? Lirab Yehuda, Lava Kadu Mer, no gave me Moed. Asafti Mimchayu. My mashmud, I no gave Lishna the Tsaru. How do you know that no gave means pain? Affliction? Dichtiv. Taufan of Shimituga. My soul drips from the suffering affliction. It's young women, virgins were afflicted. And it's bitter for it. You see the word Nogaz uses tsar or affliction. Before we saw it means crushing, a crushing blow, but they're both using or giving the same idea, which is that this delay in the proper timing of tefillah ends up with a punishment or something very negative. Ravi became ill or was weak and he wasn't able to come to the Jerusha, the Rav Yosef. The next day he showed up. If I wanted to calm down Rav Yosef, that Rav Avi hadn't showed up the previous day. So he asked him in front of Rav Yosef, you know, why didn't you come yesterday? He says, I, I was very weak. I wasn't feeling well and therefore I couldn't make it. So Rav Yosef says, and why don't you eat something, taste something, and then you'd feel better. You don't hold like the it's a sewer to taste anything before you dive in Musaf. Daven Musaf biyachid. They told me they eat something, they eat it, and then show up. You don't hold of the member of Rabbi Yochanan. You're not allowed to daven before the tefillah of tzibur. You must daven musaf after the tzibur is daven musaf, or along with the tzibur when they daven musaf. Don't we have a qualification in that statement? That's only when he's there. He's present with the tzibur. He shouldn't go earlier than that. But if he's not with the tzibur, he's at home, then there's no restriction like that. The Bach is not like Ravuna that you're a sewer to be to'em before Musaf. It's not true. The only restriction you have before Musaf is to eat a suda. You can't have a full suda because if you get caught up in the suda, you get tired, then you won't. Daven Musaf. But to simply be to'em, to taste something, that's not a problem before the Musafim. And also, Velok Rabbi Shub and Levi. And the Bach is also not like Rabbi Shub and Levi. Ravuna had Amran. Ravuna we already know the member from. Rabbi Shub and Levi is the next line in the Gemara. Then Rabbi Shub and Levi. When the Zman Mincha comes, one may not taste a morsel before they daven Mincha. And again, the Loch is not like him, but rather, the Loch is that you can't have a Su'uda, you can't have something significant before Mincha, but to have a small snack or something small to eat, that's not a problem before Tfilata Mincha. Okay, next Mishnah, Rabbi Chunia, Ben Akana, Yitzvalel, Biknistatol, Beit Midrash. Ben Akana used to daven when he came into Beit Midrash. And when he exited, a small tefillah. They asked him, what's the source for this? Where did you come from this? And the way in, I daven that nothing bad should happen from me. I mean, I should not cause 
any problems or misguiding through my teachings. On my way out, I thank Hashem for my portion. What does he say on his way in? Should be your will, Hashem, that no bad thing, mistake, should happen because of me. And I should not trip up or make a mistake. The guards the psakalocha. The way that the gro reads the girsa is here in some Then he skips down to that I should not altamei lo amar altamei tahor velo altahor altamei. I shouldn't say give the wrong psakalocha with tuma and tara. Then it continues lo akashel b'dvaralocha. I should not trip up in a dvaralocha. Vis mechubi chaverai and my friends should be happy with me. I should be pleasing in their eyes. My friends should not trip up in aloha, and I should be happy with them. And as Rashi points out over here, I should not trip up. And they will celebrate my tripping up by mistake. That's two bad things. That number one is I'm going to cause there to be a mistake. And number two is I'm going to be a cause for them to be punished. Because why? They're celebrating when I make a mistake. And Hashem doesn't like that when you celebrate on the downfall or the shortcomings of another individual. And therefore, they're going to be punished because of me. And the Sikhud Musar mentions that Avotar Karmeli, when it came to Achav and Izevel, Achav says he wants the vineyard of Avotar Karmeli, and Avot says he won't give it up. Izevel has him killed. The Gemara relates that in Perkachelech, that Avotar Karmeli, even though he's an Olam Abba, he's in a separate Mechitza. He's not allowed to be in the mechitzah of a Kodesh Baruch Question is why? Because Izevel and Achav are going to be punished because of him. Even though he did nothing. But because he was the cause of their punishment, therefore he can't be in the mechitzah of a Kodesh Baruch So you see a similar idea over here. That Rashi says that I shouldn't cause others to be punished. If I trip up and they celebrate my tripping up or making a mistake, they'll be punished. But their punishment will come because of me. And I'm responsible for that. So I don't want them to be punished for me. And that's why I'm saying that I should make no mistake and that my friends should be happy with me so that we don't have these negatives. What does he say on the way out? This is familiar to us because this is the closing of the Masechta. You made my portion from those that sit in the Beit Midrash. Not from those that sit on the corners, that are idle, talking, and schmoozing, wasting their time. I get up early and they get up early. I get up to learn Torah. They get up to waste their time, to chit-chat. I work hard and they work hard. I work hard and I get the schar because I'm learning Torah. They work hard and they don't have the schar of Torah. I run and they run. I run too. And they're running down to Geinom because they have all this free time on their hands. They're chit-chatting. They're going to end up in Averot and doing the wrong things. There's another girsa that's Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Teach us the ways of life so that we'll know how to get to Olam Amalem, he gives them a number of items. One, he's Be careful about the honor of your friends. This is the opposite of the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. So he says, be careful about the Kavod of your friends. Keep your children away from Hegayon. Logic, which actually says two possibilities. Either don't have them learn too much Chumash, 
make sure that they learn Mishnah and Gemara as well. Or, don't let them fool around and play all the time. You should sit the children in the knees, or between the knees of the Tamir Chamim, meaning in front of the Tamir Chamim. And when you dive it, make sure you are aware of who you're standing for, that you are standing for God. If you keep all of these, you will be Zochel the Chayelam Abba. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka has a similar story. Tamidim came in to visit him. When he saw them, he began to cry. The student said to him, Neri Israel, Amuda Yemini. The candle of Israel, the right pillar, Patisha Chazak, the strong hammer. Why are you crying? They were taking me to a king of flesh and blood. He's here today, immortal. He's a mortal being. If he gets angry at me, it's not permanent anger because he's going to die. And if he imprisons me, his imprisonment is not forever. If he kills me, I'm not dead forever because I still have. And when I come before a king, I could actually try to appeal to him, appease him, or bribe him. If I had to come for a judgment before him, I'd be crying, I'd be scared. Now they're telling me before me, the ultimate king, for God. He's immortal. He's forever. If he gets angry at me, that's a permanent anger. If he imprisons me, that's a permanent imprisonment. If he kills me, then that's a permanent death. I can't try to appease him or appeal to him. I can't bribe him. In front of me, I have two ways. One leads me to the right place, one leads me to the wrong place. I don't know which path they're going to take me on now. I shouldn't cry. So he's scared. He's scared of what's going to happen, and therefore he's crying. So he says to our Rebbe, please bless us. Your fear of God should be like your fear of humans. That's it? Just fear of humans? It should only be so. You should know. When a person violates and does a sin, what does he say? I hope nobody sees me. Even though, when he's in the room, God's looking right at him. He's seeing him right there. The fact is, he doesn't focus on that. In Perak Merubah, in Baba Kama, the Gemara there discusses the difference between a gazlan and a ganav. Why does a ganav pay kefel, double damages, and a gazlan just have to repay the object? So over there, a memra in the name of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, a ganav, according to one of the definitions there, is someone who steals at night. Why does he steal at night? Because he's afraid of the human being seeing him or catching him. So he steals at night. He's afraid of humans. He's not afraid of a Baruch Therefore, he's punished with kefil. The gazlan comes in the middle of the day and takes whatever he wants. A gazlan is not afraid of man. He's not afraid of God. At least he's consistent. But he doesn't put man above God. And the same thing here. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says the same thing here. You should just at least have God on the same plane as man. At least have that same respect for God as you have for man, or the same fear you have of man should apply to God. And that's the member of Rabbi Yochanan Zaka here. My brother-in-law always notes that this is the difference between the Chush HaSeichel and the Chush HaAlev. The difference between intellectual comprehension and emotional comprehension. A person can know something, have intellectual comprehension of it, and yet it will not impact their behavior. On the other hand, someone who feels something emotionally, 
they know it's present and it's right in front of them, then they will give more value or assign more consideration to that feeling, even though they might know something is different. And that's exactly what's happening in our case over here. The individual knows that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is watching him. He knows that God is greater than man, but that's not in front of him. That's something that's left in the intellectual realm. And therefore he doesn't react to that. He steals or he acts in a manner without regard for God. On the other hand, something that he knows in his heart, emotionally feels, something that if he's found by someone, he'll have immediate results, immediate impact. Over there he feels that acutely. And therefore he's afraid to steal and be caught by man. Or he's afraid to sin and be seen by man. And that creates this inconsistency within the individual. That something that he knows is true, that God is greater than man, still results in a behavior where he puts man above God. And that's what Rabbi Yochanan is saying over here. Halavai, that you should have the same fear as heaven as you have his fear of man. Man, which is the chushalev, is the emotional feeling, something that is acute and ever-present, that should be the same feeling you have with the intellectual understanding of God being in front of you all the time. And that's why Rabbi Yochanan says that halavai, that your fear of heaven should be like your fear of man. When he was about to pass away, he said to them, Move all utensils from the house so they would not become And Chizkiyahu the Melech is coming to be Melaved me to accompany me, prepare a chair for him because he'll be here any minute. And now the Mishnah continues with the Dinim of Shmonesri. Every day a person davens 18 brachot. Shomer ne'ein yudchet. He davens a summary. Shmonesri each day. We keep Omer. Im shkura tefilato befiv mitvalal yudchet. If he knows the tefillah well, and it's easy for him to say, then he should daven the full Shmonesri. Im lav. It's difficult. Main Shmonesri. Then he should only daven a summary, concentrated version of the Shmonesri. If you make your tefillah into something that is fixed, it's a burden that you're trying to discharge, an obligation that you're trying to discharge, then your tefillah is not tachnunim, it's not considered to be a supplication before Hashem, and it's not really an acceptable tefillah. person who is in a dangerous location, should dive in a very short tefillah, Vomer, and this is what he says, Hoshea Hashem et Amecha, Hashem, you should save your nation, et Sherit Yisrael, the remainder of Kla Yisrael, Chol Pashat Ha'ibur, Yud Tzarchechem Lefanecha, Gemara will discuss what it means, Bechol Pashat Ha'ibur, wherever they're found, their needs should be in front of you, Baruch Ata Hashem, Shomeya Tefillah, Sayer Rochevah Chomor, he's riding on a donkey, Yereid V'Yitzpalel, you should get down and daven, Bimeri Yechol Yereid, if he's unable to get off the donkey, because nobody watched the donkey while he davened, Gzir Panav, Turn his face towards Yerushalayim. If he can't turn his face in that direction, he should have in mind in his heart that he's facing towards the Kodshei Kodashim. That's what they're discussing here. It depends on your ability to stop. On a highway, you really it's illegal to pull over on the shoulder unless you're in trouble. So to pull over on the shoulder and dab would be problematic. It would be a sakana. So therefore, you're allowed to stay in the car and continue to dab in while you're traveling. That's what it said here. Which is that if you're on the Chamor, if you dismount... And daven, of course, that's a better way to do because then you can face the right direction. You can have a proper kind of better concentration. But if you can't do that, you at least try to turn your head in that direction. If you can't do that, at least have in mind that you're facing towards Yerushalayim. That's another issue about the distractions that are like we said before. That you hold, right, if you're holding something, that distracts you. Most likely not because you're focused on the driving. But if you're a passenger in the car, 
passengers sitting next to the driver. They're not involved in the driving. It's dangerous for them to stop and to get out. They're going to dive in there. He's going on a boat or a raft. Rashi says he's in prison. There you can't turn to the right direction, so you just have in mind that you should be facing towards Yerushalayim. You know, it takes for granted here that there's a Shmon Esra here. Where did this Shmon Esra come from? It's connected the 18 times Hashem's name is mentioned in Tehilim, his mother David. And as Rashi points out, the Gemara Darshins, Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara Rosh Hashanah says that Bnei Elim refer to the Avot. They Darshan out of there that you have Avot, Gvurot, Piyata Meitim, Dushat Hashem. And each of these are mentioned there, and that's the order of the Shemon Esra, and there's 18 of them. The 18 times Hashem's name is mentioned in the Parshiot of Kriyat Shema. The 18 vertebrae that are found in the spine. Another member from him, but the spine. The person who davens has to bow down. So the vertebrae in his back are popping out, are protruding. It's used to bat down far enough so that he can see a coin and Isar Some suggest that means that on the floor, he can see a coin that's on the floor, he's looking right at it now. Others, like Rashi, suggest that when a person bends over, the rolls of fat from above and below capture a piece of skin in between, and that's what it means, You just move your head to indicate that you want to bow. Even though you can't do more, that's enough. Classic on an airplane. A person sitting and diving on an airplane, you can't get up to diving. You need to bow down. We don't ask you to get up and bow down. We just say that you should lean forward and move your head up so it indicates you want to bow, just for whatever reason now, you're precluded from doing that. But you should show or demonstrate at least that you're trying to bend down, that you want to bend down. That's as long as he's showing the difficulty or the pain in him getting up, and it looks like he's bowing down. Why are you saying that there are 18 brachot? Sorry, Avin. There are really 19 brachot. We have 19 brachot in Ashwana, so you're not 18. That in Yavna they were metakein the birkatat stukim, which is lamal shinim. That was added on later on. So now, Kenegan meet Tiknuah. So then, Kenegan, what did they do that? Right, that's true in general. The word Stuki, whenever you have, whenever you see the word Stuki in the Gemara, you have to question whether that's really the word, because the censors took out other words like Minim and, and other things that were offensive to them, and they always put in the word Stuki. So whenever you say it's Stuki, it's not clear whether it's really it's Stuki. Amar Rabbi Levi, Rabbi Hillel, Bray, Rabbi Shmuel, Bar Nachmani, Keneged, Kel Hakavod Hirim. So even though it's not the, one of the regular names of Hashem, nevertheless that Kel gets you an extra Shem Hashem to get you 19. That one is referring to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. So that's how you get the 19th Baruch even though there are only 18 times the name of Hashem has been mentioned. And the Rabbi Tanchum, Rabbi Yishub Malevi, Keneged Chuyak Tanash Bishidra. Keneged the small, soft vertebrae that's in the spine. You have the 18 big, solid vertebrae, and then there's a smaller one at the end. So connect that, you get the 19 that you need. Okay, we'll stop over here.